In July of 1962, a Norwegian freighter spotted a body around 17 miles away from the Golden Gate Bridge. However, by the time authorities made it to the area, the alleged body was gone. Hello, my beautiful people. It's your internet best friend, Nia Phantom. In today's episode, we'll be going through the case of the man who miraculously, because I don't know, still to this day, I don't know how they did it. They miraculously escaped Alcatraz. To stay updated with the podcast, follow us on all socials at 5W Phantom. And to keep up with me, I can be found at Neil Phantom on everything, excluding IG. Because on there, I'm at the Neil Phantom, T-H-E. Lastly, for all business inquiries, email vibewphantom at gmail.com. Let's get into the story, the case. We'll start with the background. Located on Alcatraz Island, San Francisco Bay, was the Alcatraz Federal Penitentiary, a maximum security prison where only the most despicable criminals were sent. Amongst other prisoners who made it there, were Frank Morris, Clarence and John Anglin, as well as Alan West. Before we get into the story, I'd like to give you all a slight history lesson, a little background on the men themselves, the men that I just mentioned, starting with Frank Morris. At age 11, Morris became an orphan and was forced to look after himself as he was shuffled between foster homes. Over the years, starting at 13 with an IQ of 133, he developed into a skilled criminal committing crimes including car theft, armed robbery, and grand larceny. After being caught by authorities, Frank faced time in Georgia where, coincidentally, he had been shackled together with the Anglin brothers. And in addition to Georgia, he faced time in Florida before ending up at Louisiana State Penitentiary also known as Alcatraz of the South. So basically, Frank was not only hopping foster homes, he was hopping prisons as well. Continuing on, Morris managed to escape Louisiana Penitentiary and fell back into his life of crime. Police again caught up to Morris and sent him to the real Alcatraz in 1960, where he reconnected with the Anglin brothers. Speaking of the Anglin brothers, they were born in Georgia and moved around early in life to assist their parents with seasonal farm work. Despite the fact that John and Clarence had 11 other siblings, their bond was the closest out of the group. And they maintained that bond throughout their years. The Anglin brothers migrated up north to Michigan every year for cherry picking season. While there, John and Clarence grew into strong swimmers by practicing in the waters of Lake Michigan. Keep this information in mind. Keep it in mind as it is vital in this case. In the brothers' adulthood, they, like Morris, were serial bank robbers, hitting banks after closing to avoid potentially injuring others. And this is where they have my respect because they wasn't just wild when committing crimes they actually took it into consideration okay 
I only come here for the money. I ain't come here to be taking innocent lives. And that's where I give them my respect. After getting away with this for years, the duo was caught in 1956 and sent to Atlanta's penitentiary where they met Morris. The sibling pair landed themselves a spot at Alcatraz after attempting to escape Atlanta's penitentiary. So just like Morris, they was doing the same thing. You will get a lot of the same thing throughout this case. The next person who tagged along with the Anglin brothers and Morris himself was Alan West. There's not too much information on him aside from the fact that he, like the others, were sent to Alcatraz after attempting to escape their previous prison. So like I said, all of them was basically doing the same things and I suppose that's how they got shackled together half of the time or they was there around the same time period. They was doing the same thing, getting themselves into the same thing. For West, it was Florida State Prison and Atlanta's penitentiary again due to him being a car thief. So the prison that he went to was in Florida and Atlanta like the others and it was due to him being a thief once again. Alright let's get into the story. We have already gotten a bit of a background on each of the men. Let's see what they did. The four men were seen as some of Alcatraz's non-violent offenders, which came from them not having record of harming others. This allowed the men to maneuver without attracting much attention from the guards, though they were known for escape attempts. And this where I give the guards wrong, because, okay, these ain't violent people. All right, Alcatraz is supposed to be a maximum security prison that nobody could escape. Boom, that's fine. But these four men were literally known for escaping. They were known for escaping the penitentiaries where they had been previously. That's how they get here. If anything, y'all should be keeping an eye on them. I don't care if they wasn't violent. Or, like, well, okay. Each of the men in the group had a set of responsibilities to take care of prior to making an escape attempt. It should also be noted that Alcatraz functioned as both a factory and a prison. So while working, the men were able to slowly but surely collect the supplies needed for their escape. The material acquired were used to make human-like dummies that would potentially be used to fool the authorities. The authorities that clearly didn't get in the first place. The task of manufacturing the dummies were at the hands of the Anglin brothers. They crafted these dummies out of soap wax, tissue, and leftover hair from the barbershop. And you telling me nobody... Nobody realized all the things they was taking. Come on now. You taking hair off the barber shop floor, putting it in your pocket, putting it in your prison outfit. Like, 
Nobody thought this was weird, including the guards. They didn't think this was weird enough to, like, check it out. So, as time passed, the men chipped pieces of the wall using cafe spoons whenever they had time to. When I say pieces of the wall, I'm referring to the walls in their prison cell. One day, between the hours of 5.30 p.m. and 9 p.m., the group were allowed to work unsupervised. In each of their cells were vents that Frank, Clarence, John, and Allen removed and chisel holes large enough for them to crawl to. This task was found to be easy because of the foundation deteriorating around them. This was caused by years of salt water exposure and constant leaks. Like I said, this was on an island practically by itself. A small island, not much people on it. So it was right on the edge. Nine times out of ten possible for it to have too much salt water exposure. That's what we see here. And I know what y'all thinking. Every time they talk about some chiseling in the foundation, chipping holes large enough, da 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 da. I know what y'all thinking. Ain't nobody hear them. Just that's what I was thinking too. No. The answer to your question on mine is no. So let's pause. Four men, known for prison escapes, land themselves a spot in the Alcatraz Penitentiary. Okay, a mock security prison that nobody should be able to escape. Okay, boom. These four men are allowed unsupervised work. Without being seen, they was picking up leftover hair from off the floor in the barber shop. They was using soap, wax, and tissue from the factories that are storing it in their cells. And nobody cared to ask. When I say nobody, I mean the authorities. Now, here they are, chipping and chiseling holes in their cells, large enough. For a human, a male human's body to fit through. And nobody heard them. That's the that's the point we that's the point where we is right now. Okay? Nobody heard them. And the answer to our question is no, because the inmates were allowed an hour of music in the 1960s due to prison reforms. And this music filled the prison with noise. So opposed to the men enjoying the music, going downstairs, dancing, da da da, enjoying themselves. They was up in their cell chiseling holes. Morris also took part in playing the accordion whenever it was possible to, masking the noise made by fellow inmates. So Morris was like an insider. Okay, he was a part of. The- he was a part of the prison reform. He was in the band playing music. He knew what time the rest of the men would be chiseling their holes. He knew what they was doing. And that gave him, that gave them a one-up. You get me? Because he was he was able to maneuver the band part. 
he was playing e music. He know what's going on in the cells. He trying to make sure no one could hear his fellow inmates do a bunch of garbage. Okay. After crafting holes wide enough in each of their cells, they'd be able to climb up three floors to access the roof. Their only real obstacle would be the shafts that they had to crawl through being cemented shut. Eventually, though, they found an access point that they would be able to pry open using a handmade wrench. So, these four men was crafty. They ain't only making dummies. They ain't only chiseling holes in the wall. They making wrenches. This, that, and that. Okay, y'all smart. These are the people who they didn't want to pay attention to because they ain't violent. All right. Over the six-month period leading up to their escape, the men, while carrying out their other tasks, had stitched together a makeshift raft and a set of life preserves using raincoats from the factory. And this proves my previous point. They was crafty. They were smart. I'll give them that. They were smart. And that's what I was saying earlier. These men are known aside from their crimes like robbing to dealing these men were known for escaping prison so i surprised that they over here making wrenches and dummies and everything that i stated previously i'm surprised because that's them that's what they do and that's why i give the authorities fault because y'all know this Come on. The makeshift raft and the life preserves that they managed to acquire were a necessity because by lacking said supplies, drowning would have definitely been the fate of the escapees. All that was left for the men to do was wait for Alan West to finish his escape route and give the signal that he was ready to go. All that was left. They already commit. They already finished all of the other tasks. The only thing that we're waiting for now is for Alan West himself to finish his escape route and give the signal. Once West was ready, the group of four would be able to slip right out due to their thorough preparation. Okay. By the year 1962, the plan was coming into play as the men had finally fashioned holes big enough to make their escape. And come into play it did because on June 11th, 1962, Alan signaled the others to let them know that he'd finished his escape route and would be able to make it out of his cell. However, the group would realize rather quickly that not everything would go as planned. The men weren't 100% confident in whether they would be successful. However, with adrenaline rushing, they followed through with their plan, beginning with tucking their decoy heads in bed and crawled through their cells as quick as possible. Morris and the Anglin brothers were able to get out with ease, but for Alan, this wasn't the case. Alan built his crawl space smaller than he thought, restricting him from getting out. 
And this is where I give Allen fault because they say, okay, bro, it's all on you now. We're literally waiting for you and you only. Do what you got to do. And when you're done, give us the signal that you could get out. And you still fumble the bag. How? How, Allen? Now, after trying and failing to assist their accomplice, the men came to the conclusion that Allen would have to be left behind. After squeezing through their tunnels, the men entered the utility corridor and went on to climb up 30 feet of plumbing to make it to the roof. Like I said, they had to climb three stories to make it to the roof. That's what they did. After which, they crossed over to the other side of the rooftop and climbed down an additional 50 feet of pipes to finally make it to the ground. When the men set foot on solid land, they made their way past the guards, who again didn't care, arrived at the shoreline and inflated their raincoat raft. So, these people learned sneak out now they're using more time to inflate a raincoat raft and you only realize none of this they say they make their way past guards meaning guards are on the outside and they didn't see none of this they should be the ones who need to get locked up because you had to be turning a blind eye at this point Though Wes was left behind, he hadn't given up hope for freedom. He continued to work on his hole through the night and was finally able to make it out of his cell. That's what he should have done from jump. Unfortunately, by the time he made it to the roof, Morris and the Anglins were long gone. As 11.30 the night of, the men set sail and were never seen or heard from again. Defeated, he returned to his cell, and the next morning, guards finally discovered that the men were missing and woke up all residents of the island with the sound of sirens, signifying that there had been a breach in security. The entire prison was searched, and the authorities found out that Wes was the only individual with knowledge of this escape. Obviously, because he had a big hole in his cell. He cooperated and fully told them about the plan they were going by and after serving his sentence at Alcatraz, he was transferred to a state prison and eventually released. After which he committed more crime and was imprisoned once again. Okay, you you escaping for the thrill or what, what's going on? Because you can't want to be free for real. You done escaped multiple times and gone right back to your past ways would, would land you back in prison like is this a thrill for you if is this what you want to do or wanted to do with your life be a prison hopper be known for prison escape like what is it he really wanted to accomplish with these because every time he get out of the prison he was back in prison sure while in prison he killed a cellmate and later died at a hospital due to abdominal injury injuries jesus i can't even talk but that just goes to show like is this what he wanted for his life that makes me question it even more because that's all he did he already escaped prison how much times 
How much times? Island escape. What? Twice? This is the second time? Like what? Like what? Well, what was the goal supposed to be? Two minute freedom? I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand. <laughs> Conclusively, though, some of Morris and the Anglin's belongings were found floating in the ice-cold waters of the bay following their escape. However, there were never any bodies recovered. After 17 years of investigation, the case was closed with the conclusion that the men drowned during their escape. So they didn't continue looking into it. It was just deemed as a drowning that's why they can't find these men and maybe they did drown i don't know because it wasn't really much about them after that only a note that popped up out of the blue with kind of a description that the person who wrote it was one of the men that escaped can't remember who exactly and it was also said that Somebody may have seen one of them, but it never came to light because nobody knows where they are. How you... Anyways, I I don't know. Maybe they did drown. And the person who sent the note or the letter was just trying to get clout from it or whatever. Wanted money, maybe, something. But either way... This was a case that opened my eyes even more with the justice system and how they actually is treat criminals so loosely. I understand that these ain't, that's why I tell you all the story, by the way. I understand that these ain't violent people, these ain't people who was committing murders, these ain't serial killers. But it's like, it's like, I understand these ain't violent people, but these are people who still committed crimes and were also, once again, known for a prison escape and y'all letting them off the hook so easy. Letting them off the hook easy. Because how they do all of this over the matter of, well, four years, how they do all of this without y'all noticing anyways that's my two cents i hope y'all enjoyed the story i hope y'all was allowed to get into it eat y'all food while hearing a story (laughs) and yeah like i said next episode is going to be on this jeffrey dama craze that's very sick and i feel like it's inconsiderate like y'all truly don't care about these people family actually i'm getting it twisted i just seen my schedule the next episode is actually gonna be our halloween episode i'll be reading ghost stories to y'all to get y'all in the mood for halloween that's going to be the next day and yep the jeffrey dama craze is after that I could give y'all my two cents or maybe y'all 
I just get two episodes a day. Who knows? <laughs> Anyways, I love y'all and I'll see y'all in the next episode or two. <laughs> Toodles! <laughs>